crossed my mind before I got here where I am, Lord, but I, I thank you. I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you into worship and not worship him myself? How can I lead you to a place where I've never been? How can I make you appreciate a God that I don't appreciate? How can I tell you to be thankful and I'm not thankful myself? How can I teach you about gratefulness and I'm not grateful to God for all that he's done for me? I'm thankful. Paul said, how can I teach you about a God and then me be lost myself. Hallelujah. But I'm thankful and I'm grateful. And Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. John chapter 8, verse 1. Reading from the English Standard Version. And the word says in John chapter 8, verse 1, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, 
that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to him, them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, sin no more. Heavenly Father, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be receptive to what you have to say to us in these few moments. Lord, allow these destiny moments, Lord, to push us towards your promises, to make plain the path of destiny that you've designed for us. And most of all, Lord, do not allow us to leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And God bless you. Our thought for this morning is in the middle. In the middle. And our thought it was, our question was, have you ever been in a place where the struggle seemed to be bigger than you? Have you ever been in a place or felt like you were in a place where the struggle was bigger than you? I want to talk to, to you today about this woman with the issue of, of blood, I mean, with, about this woman who has been caught in adultery, and also I'm going to make reference to our, to our friend Job. We'll also talk a little bit about that woman with that issue of blood, but we're going to talk about it in the context of being in the middle. When we talk about this story, and for those who are not familiar, this woman simply was caught in the act of adultery. Each time I, I go over these scriptures, it still boggles my mind as to who was looking in her window to, to determine that she was caught in the act of adultery. Who's that looking in the window? Uh, and I begin to wonder, you know, what sins were they guilty of uh, for stalking and looking in this woman? And they said she was caught in the act so that means they were watching. So it sounds like maybe they had some issues going on too. And maybe they should have stood beside the woman when they were talking about what should be done to them according to the law of Moses. But that, that, that's a conversation for another day. But she was presented before Jesus, cast in the midst of the group, the Pharisees and, and those who were judging her. And they were brought to her with a question in mind. The question that, well, the statement was made, and then the question was posed to Jesus. There was a statement that says, according to the law of Moses, this woman should be stoned, making reference to the Bible of which Jesus, well, <laughs> they're telling the word to the word. <laughs> Y'all talk to me. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was there not anything made that was that was made. In him was the life, and the light was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He was the word, and they're going to quote the word. 
to the word. I, I, I don't think they appreciated the irony of that situation. We're telling you what you in your existence expired. And that just shows the, the arrogance of this group of people to not mention their sinfulness, to not talk about the circumstances under which they found this woman caught in sin, to, to present her before our Lord and Savior, the Lamb of God, who was there to take away the sins of the world, and to quote to him the word that he inspired that he was there for. Jesus said, before Abraham, what, he is there I was. I was already there. I was already present when the word was inspired, but they're quoting the word to the word. So that's why Jesus was not impressed when they quoted to him something that he inspired, something that he was there for, something that he knows, and he's sitting there on the ground writing. I wish my, my curiosity gets the best of me, Brother Chuck. I, sometimes I wonder just what was Jesus writing in that moment. I, I just wish I knew what was he writing on the ground. My, my curiosity is there, and I wish that I had a witness to tell me what was he writing. But, but he was sitting there on the ground, uninspired by the accusations of these men who presented this woman. And somebody with a keen mind might have asked the question, uh, where was the man? Because she was not committing adultery by herself. Where, where, where was the man? <laughs> because they say it takes two to tango. It was, there, there, she was not, I wish I were here with me. Uh, where was the man? He, he, he was not presented and, and, and set forth for, for embarrassment like this woman was. But, but I, that's just, again, my curiosity gets the best of me. Where, what was Jesus writing and where was the man who was involved in this situation? But they choose the woman. They, they, they pull her out with a, there's this patriarchal system in mind of con accusing only the woman and presenting her before Jesus, quoting to him the word that, that he inspired, that he already knew, trying to tell him what the word meant and what the word intended in this particular situation. And as they present her to him, they have this question, which is really a trap. The, the, the question is a trap because they've already made the statement that on this hand, the law of Moses says uh, that this woman should be stoned. But then they ask the question, but what do you say? What, what, what does Jesus say? And the only th way that they can set that up is to create the trap because they are trying to get the word to contradict the word. <laughs> I want you to get here. He, he is the word, and they're quoting to him the word, and they're trying to get him to contradict the word so that they can, by product of his answer, disprove that he is the Savior, that he is the Son of God, that he is the propitiation of our sins, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the scenario that has been set forth in this particular scenario. The only thing that this way this woman is involved is because she's caught in the middle. The woman is caught in the middle. Because on this side, we have those, the, the propagators of the law and those who are trying to abide by the law of Moses and those who don't believe that Jesus is our Lord. And on this side, we have Jesus standing alone by himself. And in the middle, we have this test which has been presented in the form of this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And what these men are trying to do, they're not trying to trap the woman they're trying to trap Jesus. <laughs> I want you to get this. They're not trying to trap the woman. They are trying to trap Jesus. 
And so for the purpose of paralleling this example, let's go back to my brother Job. Job, when, when the men began to present themselves before God, there was the devil in the midst. And when they found him in the midst, God said to the devil, while amongst those who came in the midst, he said, have you considered my servant Job? He is a righteous and upright right man, one who, who loves God and eschews evil. And, and the devil says that it is for good reason that he has done this. He said, because you have constructed a hedge about him. And, and has he done it for no, no profit? Because he has great, uh, great profit. He has, great, he has many sheep. He has many lambs. He has, he has many cows. He has... He has all of these possessions. It's saying that Job has profited from following you. So why would he turn away from you? So then in the midst of this, and we're talking about what we're talking about, in the middle. In the middle of this proposition that God has made to the devil, there stands Job. And God says, yes, you can tempt him. You can take of his possessions. You can take the things that he has. But what you cannot do is touch his life. Everything else I put in your hands except his life. So here is God on one side saying that Job is a righteous and upright man who, who turns away from evil and who loves me. And on the other side is the, the devil who says it's only because you put a hedge around it and he has so many possessions and so many great things that he does not do evil in your sight. And in the middle, we find Job. There is Job caught in the middle. And I just asked the question this morning. Have any of you, you felt like you were in the middle? You were in between two powerful and great forces that, that seemed overwhelming and that you could not conquer on your own, but there you find yourself squished and overwhelmed and feeling alone and in solitude right there in the middle. Let me take you to Hezekiah, and, I'm, and then I'm going to move on. Hezekiah, when, when the, armies, the, the, army, the armies came against him, and, and they spoke to him and said to him that you can't lean upon your God because everybody else's gods has fallen before us. And when the great army of Assyria had taken out all of the kings around him, here he comes and he says, he says well, don't, don't lie to them and say that you're going to overcome this because I've overtaken everybody else. And then on the other side, we have God himself who is not even defended himself in this matter, but the men on this side decided to send God a letter from the other side, but they gave it to Hezekiah, who was caught in the middle. So Hezekiah did what I believe the other two examples also did in their own way. They gave Hezekiah the letter, and when Hezekiah read the letter, when it said, now, now your, your armies are not going to be sufficient, and your, and your God is not going to save you, and then it says, wait, hold on, it said, my God is not going to save me. That, that lets me know that this letter is not for me. This letter is for God. So I'm going to press the forwarding button on my email and give this to the Lord. So Hezekiah went, went, he, he, went to the, he went to the synagogue and he, and he laid down the, the, the letter on the altar before the Lord and said, Lord, this is not my problem. This is your problem. I'm just a delivery person because I'm caught here in the middle, but I'm going to allow you to sort this out. So I'm just telling somebody that when you look on your left and you see a problem that is too big, I want you to remember on your right, you have a God that's bigger than your problem. So when your problem sends you a letter, I'm going to 
forward this problem because it's not meant for me, but it's meant for my God. So that problem that I had that I, that I just couldn't seem to solve, and I, I, I prayed and I, I prayed and I prayed and I just got deeper involved, but I turned it over. I, I, I didn't keep it. I, t- I didn't even cry about it, but I turned it over to Jesus and, and I stepped out of the situation and I, and I let my big problem have a conversation with my big God. And when I turned it over to Jesus, I, I stopped worrying about it. I, I gave it to the Lord and guess what he did? He does what he does. He worked it. I wish you had. I, I didn't say we worked it out. I didn't say I was involved in the problem. I wasn't involved in the solution, but I gave it over and he, I wish y'all would talk to me, he worked it out. The reason I know he worked it out is because you kept praying about it. And when you gave it to God, he solved it. And before you even thought about it, it may have been a week later, you would look back and say, oh, that thing has been worked out. I wish y'all were here with me. Have you ever had a problem that you prayed about and it got solved in the interim and then you forgot about the problem and you looked a few days later and you realized the problem that you had cried about, the thing that kept you up all night, the thing that made you think you were going to lose your mind. God had already worked it out and you looked on the next Sunday and Elder McGee said you ought to praise the Lord and then when you start praising him, you begin to realize that the thing I was crying about on last week. God has worked that thing out. I gave it over to the Lord and he worked it out. If I have some worked out people in here, put those hands together and give God some. So then the woman, she's caught in the middle. She's been cast in the middle of this circle, and she's lying there on the ground. Come on, I need three brothers. Come on, come on, Brother Mace. Come on, Brother CJ. Come on, Brother Rich. Come on up here. Come on up here real quick. I want to demonstrate to you something. I want to let you know what was going on in here. And I brought three people up here because most of y'all got three people inside you. You got three people inside you. Y'all got the saved version. Y'all got the kind of saved version. And y'all got the ain't trying to be saved version. Come on, talk to, talk to. And depending on how people talk to you, I wish I were you. I wish I had some real folks in here. And depending on how people talk to you, depends on which version. They might get. Because <clears throat> if you act a real fool, you're gonna get <clears throat> you're gonna get the raw and uncut. <sighs> oh, some of y'all have put your Bible on the ground. Now, baby, now, now, now I, I was trying to be saved this week. <clears throat> Notice you said trying. I was trying to be saved this week, but, but I'm gonna let you know. We're not, we're not, ro- we're not rolling like that. I, I will let you know. I, I'm saved, but but I'm what they say. I'm from the west side of the kingdom. I, I will still let you know what's going on. I, I, I can speak in tongues on Sunday, and I can speak in four-letter words if you push me. I, I I'm not a killer, but don't push me. 
I'm telling you, there's three of y'all, and y'all all in there fighting. And depending on how they speak to you, it depends on what comes out of your mouth. <laughs> Come on in here. Now, now my, this is my, my unsaved person right here. This is my trying to be saved. I want you to get down on one knee. And then I want my really saved person. I want you to get, I want you to get lower than him. Get, get low. You already a little lower. Put that, put that hand on the ground for me, Brother Mason. All right. Now, the woman who had been caught in adultery was laid, thrown out, and laid in the midst of the crowd. And then I, I can just imagine in my mind, there were the Pharisees and Sadducees who, who they, they felt real proud. You know, I, I'm better than she is. Here we got this brother. He's, he's like, well, I'm saved, and I have a little compassion over here. And then we have Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is on the woman's level. He's down there riding right on the ground for me, Brother Mason. He, he's sitting there riding on the ground on the woman's level. And how dare the Pharisee and Sadducee stand up when Jesus was on the ground? <laughs> How am I going to stand and have the nerve to stand when Jesus is on the ground writing because I'm standing as if I'm better than Jesus? But the Jesus is on the same level as the woman. So the woman is on the same level as Jesus, and I think I'm better, so I'm standing up. But the woman is on the same level that Jesus is. And some of us are so proud. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. I appreciate you all. Come on, give them a hand. Some of us are so, so proud that in trying to act like we're better than somebody else, we're behaving as if we're better than Jesus. Better than Jesus. Like you ain't never made a mistake. Oh, like you've never fallen. And just because they fell and somebody saw it on Facebook, and just because they fell and somebody got a video, or just because they fell and there were witnesses to what they did, don't you be standing up just because you didn't get caught. You standing up like you better just because you didn't caught, get caught. The Bible says be sure your sin will find you wow, that's what is in the darkness will, will come to the light. Don't be standing too proud because that's when you get embarrassed because you think you're better. Men should not think they are better than they are. Not better than you are. You're not better than you think you are. You need to make sure that you live in humility. So while these men who were proud and sinful in their heart, they were standing and there was Jesus riding on the ground on the same level with the woman. And the woman, it wasn't that she was the example. It wasn't that she was the problem. The woman was just caught in the middle. The Pharisees on one side, the, those who are trying to uphold the law and, and there, and Jesus on the other side, and there she is in the middle of this situation, and she's on the ground, and there Jesus is on the ground writing. So what did they want Jesus to do? They wanted Jesus to say something that contradicted the law. 
They wanted him to say something that contradicted the law. And you ought to know this because there are a lot of folks on Facebook asking questions to Christians and they just want you to contradict what the word said. And they just waiting to pounce on you. You see, because I, I, I got a Bible too. The devil knows the Bible too. Come on here. The devil probably knows the Bible better than you do. And they're just waiting to pounce on you. They're, it's not what is in the middle. It's not that scenario. It's just them trying to trap you just like they were trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus, did, he got up, and he didn't quote the law. But he tried to see how much they obeyed the law that they're talking about. Because it's funny how people quote a law that they're not trying to follow. That's a whole other message. But they're, they're, they're quoting stuff that they don't do, but they're trying to see if you do. <laughs> Come on in here with me now. So they, they said to him, they said, what would you do? The law says that we ought to stone her, but we're saying, what do you say, Jesus? Jesus, he, he gets, he's just writing on the ground. And then he stands up to say this. Notice in the text, he stood up to say this. So he's on the ground. He's writing. He gets up off the ground, and he says, whoever is without sin among you, why don't you throw the first stone? And then Jesus gets back down on the ground because Jesus knows the only person who's qualified to throw the stone is him. And he, I wish I would get this, and he's not about to throw it because he's the only one qualified to throw it. But he stays on the ground and the men begin to look amongst themselves. And they're like, well, there was this time a few weeks ago. <laughs> come, come in here with me now. Let, let me use my imagination. Now, this man, well, it was a few weeks ago, and I, I was trying to live saved. But you know, that third one of me, he still ain't saved. And he, and he got a little advantage over the other two, and he's the one who spoke. So I, I'm just going to leave. I, I, it's just in my imagination. You know that finger we put up when we leave church? I just imagine they put that finger up and excuse themselves from that situation. And at some point, Jesus, he looks up from what he's doing. He doesn't even let them, their exit, it doesn't even get, garner his attention. Their entrance didn't get his attention, and their exit didn't get his attention. The only person who really got his attention was the woman. I'll come back to that. He looks up, and he sees no one. He says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, there's no one, Lord. There's no one. There's no one left to accuse me. There's no one. And I came to tell somebody right here, because I, I, I want you to understand it, because in, in that time, that was maybe a shortened time frame. But if, if you've ever been wrongly accused, I'm just trying to talk to somebody who, who was thrown against it. I come to tell you, God's going to allow you to outlast your accusers. Uh, he's going to allow you to live longer. I wish y'all would help me. You're going to live longer than the accusation. You're going to live longer than the struggle. You're going to live longer than the problem. What, what God, sometimes God just blesses you with a little more life. And I think God does this sometimes like he did to Hezekiah. Remember, we're going to go back to him. He, he, he asked the Lord. He went against the wall and prayed after the prophet had declared that he was going to die. But at his command, at the Lord's will, he extended his life for 15 more 
four years, I came to tell you that sometimes trouble comes in your life and it seems like it's about to take you out. But sometimes God allows the trouble to come to remind you that he's going to allow you to live that down. You, you thought you were going to be ended. You, you thought you were going to be finished. You thought your reputation was going to be tarnished forever. But God said, I allowed that thing to come in your life to let you know that you got more life because you're not going to die. I wish you were here with me. You're not going to die in the middle of that trial. You're not going to die in the middle of that struggle. You're not going to die in the middle of that controversy. But the controversy comes to remind you that you have more life on the other side. I'm coming out on the other side. And Dorinda had the nerve to say, say, when I come out, I'm coming out with my hands up. You got me in the middle of this trial. You got me in the middle of this struggle. But it came to remind me that it's not yet my time. I got more life coming. God's going to let me outlive this. And on the other side, I'm going to give him the glory. On the other side, I'm going to give him the praise. God's going to not let me die until he gets his praise. He's not going to let me die until he gets his glory. So what I'm telling you right now is praise him so he knows what's coming. Praise him now so he knows what's coming. Because if you praise me in the middle of the storm, just wait till I come out when my hands are free, when my feet get light. I'm going to praise Pointed three people and say, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise him. This is not, this is not my end. But I'm praising him right now just to let him know what's coming. You think I'm praising him right now? Just wait. Hallelujah. Till I get out of this thing. Hallelujah. David said, I, 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 I praised him when I was struggling. He said, but, but when, I, when the Ark of the Covenant was coming into Israel, I, I just lost my mind and I, I just praised him. I was throwing clothes off. I was twirling in the midst because I was praising him on the other side of my trial. Because I knew the struggle was over. <laughs> the struggle was over. That, that trial was over. And I was praising my God. Because I was walking literally into deliverance, not just for me, but for all of Israel. Came to tell somebody right now, you're walking. God's going to lead you into deliverance. But praise him right now while he's leading you. Praise him right now while you're coming out of it. Praise him right now while you're in the middle of it. Because just wait, Lord. I can't wait to praise him on the other side. Last thing I want to tell you. I told you I'd come back to the woman over the issue of blood. While she was in the middle of her situation and she saw Jesus as the light on the other end of her tunnel, that woman said, I don't care how I get there. <laughs> I don't care how I get there. If I have to crawl, the, the, the throng around him was so great that, that at some reason, I, at some point, I, I just imagined the woman crawling. 
I don't, she said, I'm not trying to see him face to face. I, I, I don't need him even to put his hands on me. But if I can but touch. They say, according to the Levitical law, that the Jesus probably was wearing a, a robe. And it probably at the end of the robe, there were probably little tassels that were at the end of his garment. So when she said, I'm trying to catch the hymn, if I can just scratch the very bottom of his garment. But you know what? Remember, my guys, I can't catch the bottom while I'm standing up. I can't catch the bottom while I'm leaning down. But I'm going to have to get down. And grab the hymn. Because I believe there's healing in the hymn. I believe there's deliverance in the hymn. I believe when I humble myself before God, when I humble myself before Him, when I humble myself before Him, when I humble myself, hallelujah, the only person that got blessed out of our whole story is the woman who was on the ground, the woman who was accused. God said, go and sin no more. Be made whole, be, be blessed, be delivered from this situation. She's the only one that was blessed because she recognized Jesus wasn't up here and Jesus wasn't up here, but Jesus was down here. And when we realize that Jesus is here, then we can humble ourselves and receive exactly what we need from God. If you believe that, come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word that comes to admonish and strengthen us, to guide us and direct us, to lead us to more humility. Lord, strengthen us by your word. Lord, let us take the example of the king. When the problem is handed to us, Lord, let us not be emboldened and think we're so great, but turn that situation over to you. When the forces seem too great, when the problems seem that they're above us and beyond us, Lord, that's when we turn that situation in. Lord, Dad would say man's extremities are God's opportunities. Lord, when we're weak, then are we strong because we allow you to take over that situation. But Lord, in our whole heart, in our own hearts, let us be reminded of the forces that we fight within. Our own flesh and our own self that makes us proudful, prideful, that causes us to have a haughty spirit Teach us to be humble, Lord, to be humble before you, to not stand when we should kneel and not even to kneel when we should lay prostrate before you in humility, seeking your help, seeking your admonishment, seeking your direction. Let us not be too proud to receive the blessing that you have laid up for us. And Lord, we ask that even on this week, as we show humility to you, as we show faith by turning our situations over into your hand. That, Lord, you're going to bless us. Lord, you're going to show us your power and your authority in every situation. And we declare it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you live in humility and with great faith until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. 
If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.